The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to the Patricia Raskin Show, the program that helps you turn obstacles into opportunities, challenges into solutions, and find answers to tough questions. And now, the award-winning powerhouse voice of radio. Here's your host, Patricia Raskin. Hello, everyone. Welcome. Welcome to Patricia Raskin, the Patricia Raskin Show. New and improved, and we just had the same great guests. We change up the music, and it's really fun to be with all of you. And today, we're doing something Important but fun, beautiful and fun. We are talking to Celeste Lawnacre. Her book is Celeste's Garden Delights. Discover the many ways a garden can nurture you. And it's part of a gardening manual. It's part of a cookbook. And it's part to living sustainability and really understanding, um, you know, our relationship with food. And ever since First Lady Michelle Obama planted her organic garden on the White House lawn, the interest in organic gardening and organic produce has really skyrocketed. And now Celeste Lawnacre shows us how to easily and inexpensively incorporate organic gardening into our lives. Welcome, Celeste. Yeah, it's really great to have you. All right. um, Tell us why organic gardening really matters. Well, you know, all gardens 100 years ago were organic. You know, people used manure and other natural things to fertilize their crops with and uh, watered it with with water or maybe some manure tea. And it's much healthier because gardens that aren't organic tend to be dosed with lots and lots of different kinds of chemicals. And a lot of the chemicals are there to kill the bugs or they're there to stop the weeds. But the chemicals get into the food and then they get into us. And I don't particularly think that that's, that's healthy. Well, of course it isn't. <laughs> you know, it isn't. But, well, you know, and organic gardening, too. It's, it's, you know, people will, like for me, myself, I add a lot of different soil amendments to the soil. So I give it uh, kelp meal, which has all those different uh, nutrients from the ocean. And they get into the, the, you know, they get into the vegetables and then the vegetables give them to me. So I mm. think that you can be healthier if you're conscious of what goes into your food. So the question is, if there's a lot of organic produce available at stores, why is a garden important? Well, a garden is important because vegetables actually, once they're picked, they start to use their own nutrients to stay alive. So, you know, for me, I live um, in New England, and in the wintertime, if we get vegetables from California, you know, they've been on a truck for five or six days, and then maybe they sit in the supermarket for a few more days, and then they come home, and maybe there's a couple days until I eat it. And really, the nutrient value has really, really gone down. But when you have a garden that's right outside your door, or you have farmers that have farmer's markets that are very close by, Mm. you can go and get vegetables that are fresh-picked that day, and then you can bring them in and eat them, and they haven't lost any of their nutrients. Mm -hmm. 
However, you know, there's a lot of maintenance to creating. I mean, they're beautiful and it's very special, but what about people who either work full-time or feel like it's, you know, a major project? How could people start, just start to do something? Well, you can start with a couple of pots. Get some big pots and and put in them what you really like the best. I mean, if you're a a real big tomato lover, you might want to grow tomatoes. If you adore summer squash, you might want to grow that. Or if you eat lettuce every day, you might want to grow that. I I do tell people to start small. But one thing that I think is a really good trend in our country is that farmer's markets are coming back. And they've been coming back for a while. So if you don't want to grow things yourself, you can go down to the farmer's market and, uh, you know, get what you need. And it will also be fresh picked. Mm-hmm. So you can do a little of both is what you're saying. Mm-hmm. That would probably well, be ideal for people that haven't done it before because there are some tricks to gardening. So you, would, you don't want to try to have a big garden if you've never had a garden before. Start really small. Start with just one or two or maybe three things that you, you really like to eat and see how they grow. So to give us some of those tips, Celeste, some, some of the easier ones. Okay, well, a lot of people have a hard time figuring out when their plants need water. Uh-huh. So what I do is I take a That's garden me. fork. And, pardon? That's me. Okay. I think I, I over water. A, yeah, I, would take, I take a garden fork. I have garden forks that the, the tines are about four inches long, and it looks, you know, there's three tines that go down. A lot of garden forks bend in the middle, but I prefer the ones that are straight and really look like a kitchen fork. Mm-hmm. So if you take that fork and you put it into the soil, If it comes back up and it's completely dry, your plants need water. But sometimes the top of the soil will be completely dry, but when you put that fork down in there, there's there's lots and lots of moisture underneath, so the plants don't really need the water yet, except when you very first plant seeds, because seeds do live in that little top quarter inch of soil, so you need to keep that watered, you know, when you first plant seeds to get them to germinate. But that's a Mm. tip that uh, people can use. All right, so you take... It's a special fork, any fork or, or a special fork? Well, it's a gardening fork. Um, a regular kitchen fork isn't long enough. Uh, you might be able to use a pitchfork if you have one of those, although that's very long. But it, when you stick it into the ground and you pull it up, you could even use a stick if you wanted to. You pull mm-hmm. it up and it comes up completely dry. Then you know that the ground down under the surface is also dry. I see. So then you have to water it. Right. Then it's time, definitely time to water it. Because okay. so water is a very important element for plants, but you can overwater if you water them too much. So you want to let them sort of dry out a little bit, not completely, but, you know, if you, if, you, if you see that their soil is really dry, water them. And it doesn't even matter what time of day. If they're really dry, just water them. I mean, the best time to water is in the morning, but if they need water in the afternoon, then water them because they need water. Yeah, absolutely. How did you get into this? Well, actually, I read Adele Davis's Let's Eat Right to Keep Fit in 1971. Yeah. And her premise was that if you wanted to be healthy, you had to pay attention to your food. And that book just blew me out of the water. I Mm. thought, wow, does that make a lot of sense, you know, because the food is, is the building blocks that your body uses to build and maintain all the cells and the blood and everything in, the, in your body. And so I, I became an organic person immediately, and I ca- started to care about my food immediately. But I really never had had a garden before. So after a few years went by, I thought, you know, it could, I could make this even better by having a garden. And luckily, I was in a place where my very first garden I got to have, I was living in the middle of a dairy farm. And the dairy farmer said, oh, you can use some of that land over there, which 
is where the, the cows had eaten for years, and so the soil was very, very lush, and it was very full. And his aunt was my next-door neighbor, and she was a gardener, so she kind of told me about different things. Oh, that's a weed, and that's not, you know. Mm-hmm. So that was mm-hmm. very helpful. It's helpful to have somebody to, to, to guide you to if you've never you. done it before. Absolutely, yes. yes. What, let's talk a little bit about preserving and storing vegetables. Is that harder to do? No, I don't think that's hard to do at all. Uh, matter of fact, this morning I put two bags of broccoli and three bags of beans into the freezer. With most vegetables, you have to steam them for a little bit. It kills some of the bacteria that it would bother them in, in, the, in the freezer. So what I do is I pick them. I get the water boiling and I pick them. And then I'll cut the broccoli to whatever size I want it to be or I kind of break the, snap the beans into whatever size I want it to be. And I'll, I'll put them in the top of the steamer for three minutes. Then I put them into ice water to cool them down. Then I put them in my salad spinner and spin the extra water off. And then I put them into bags and put them into the freezer. With the beans, you kind of have to use tongs to move them around a little bit because where they sit on each other is not going to get the steam. Broccoli, mm-hmm. most stuff you don't have to do that. But things like blueberries and blackberries, they don't need to be steamed. They can pretty much go right into the freezer. And if you freeze them on a cookie sheet, they will freeze individually. So you can then put them in bags, and then you can take out just a handful or just a few. Now, now, now let me just ask you, what if you have bought that broccoli in a store or you've bought it at a farm, so you haven't grown it? Can you mm-hmm. still, you can still do it. You can absolutely. still pick it. Oh, yeah, absolutely. In fact, if you go to the farmer's market and talk to your farmers and say, okay, do you grow a lot of broccoli, and will you give me a deal if I buy a lot of broccoli? They will usually say yes, and you can say, okay, next week I'm going to come and I'm going to get 10 heads of broccoli because I want to put them in my freezer, and how much of a mm-hmm. deal could you give me? Mm-hmm. They probably would give you a pretty good deal. You know, you can talk to people, talk to the farmers at the farmer's market because they have a lot of knowledge and, and they will give people discounts if you buy a lot of food in, you know, in season. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is really great. You know, I have somebody, uh, an email here that says, what if you, um, you know, don't like your veggies right from the garden because they're like, they're, they're I like them in the garden. I don't like them pickled. Pickled. All right. I have somebody here who's asking. She doesn't like things pickled. So if you don't like them pickled, um, you what's your suggestion? Them? Well, putting them in the freezer doesn't pickle them. Or you could ferment them. Cause, so you could you know, ferment or, them or, or put them in the freezer. You can mm. put them in the freezer, yeah. You can put them in the fridge for a few days. Uh, okay. You can eat them right away. You can cook them. Many vegetables you can eat cooked or raw. Um, some are better for you cooked, but uh, even stuff like kale and Swiss chard, you can actually put in the freezer. And what I do with them is I, again, you know, I'll wash them and tear them into small pieces, and then I'll steam them again for maybe about three minutes. And I do mm. use the tongs there because they sit on one another. And then I'll put them inside of a bowl, and I'll put that bowl in a bowl of ice water so they don't lose their nutrients in the water, and that cools them down. And then you Very can put good. them in a bag and put them in the freezer. Yeah. Wow. So if you look at, you know, if, if somebody comes to you and they say, Celeste, you know, I really want to do this. I'd like to grow my own garden. I'm not sure where to start. Um, where would you tell them to start? What kinds of fruits and vegetables would be easy for them to start with? And what would be the ones be more, much more complicated? 
Well, for me personally, I think carrots are very, very hard to grow because they're, mm. they take 10 to 14 days to germinate and you have to keep the top of the soil wet that entire time. There are some days when I water my carrots that haven't come up yet four or five times in a single day. Um, so I would say don't try, don't start with them. But there's a lot of things that are pretty easy to grow. In fact, a lot of times you can actually buy plants from nurseries. You can buy summer squash plants or you can buy winter squash plants or you can buy tomato plants or pepper plants. So they've kind of got a, a head start already. And gardens really need six to eight hours of sunlight a day. So you want to make sure you pick a sunny place and you pick a place that has, you know, nice soil and good drainage and it's not near a road where cars can go by and splash water up on them. And it's not too close to trees that will also steal the nutrients from the garden. So those are the things that you would want to think about when, you know, before you actually started a garden. Okay. And where do you get the seeds from? Do you go to a garden center to get the seeds? Usually I order them from catalogs. Okay. There's lots of catalogs. There's, uh, there's Johnny's Seeds. There's Fedco Seeds. There's, um, you know, many, many different kinds of, of catalogs. You can probably just... Google catalogs on the internet and you know, they'll give you many, many different ones. And so you would look through them all and see what you like. And some people, I try to get organic seeds uh, and they will tell you if they're organic. Seeds of Change is one that, that only sells organic seeds. Okay. Oh, all right. So these are some, some really um, some good resources for people if they're really interested in an organic garden. We're going to take a break and when we come back, we're going to talk more to Celeste Lawnacre. What a beautiful name. It's perfect for your book, too. Thank you. (laughs) Celeste Garden Delights is the name of the book. Discover the many ways a garden can nurture you. And you've gotten some great testimonials from people. Um, I'm trying to, there's one here that I thought was really terrific. Carolyn Mace, who Mm -hmm. uh, wrote The Anatomy of the Spirit and Defy Gravity. She writes, I cannot remember when I've been so excited about a book. Celeste Garden Delights is absolutely brilliant. More importantly, it's essential. This book will make you want to become a gardener no matter where you live. It's pure inspiration. You have to read the book, which is really, really lovely. And then, you know, other people are saying how there's just so much here in terms of instructions on how to grow a wide variety of uh, vegetables and and the how-tos of canning, freezing, and lacto-fermentation. So there's a lot here. And also, you know, about how to stay healthy. That's, that's in there, too, Celeste. So um, mm-hmm. we're going to take a break, and when we come back, we're talking to Celeste Lawnacre, and her website is celestelawnacre.com, C-E-L-E-S-T-L-O-N-G-A-C-R-E.com. You're listening to The Patricia Raskin Show, and I'm Patricia Raskin, right here on Voice America, America's Voice, and we'll be right back with Celeste. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. Are you or someone you know interested in attending college? With both college tuition and college enrollment up 60% since 2002, there is a lot of competition, and careful planning needs to be a part of the process. Tune in to Getting In, a College Coach Conversation. Hosted by Elizabeth Heaton and featuring a team of college coach experts, we'll bring you the tips, techniques, and know-how to navigate the road to college and do so the smart way. Listen live every Thursday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. What can you find on Get Real Radio? 
Well, quite honestly, who you really are. Join host James Robinson each week for a program designed to reveal more about yourself and your world through words of wisdom and profound guests. You'll discover more about the spiritual movement and how it can work with you and alert you to problems you may not be aware of. It will educate, titillate, and enlighten your mind. Get Real Radio is broadcast live every Friday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. This could end up being the best time of your week. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. Are listening to the Patricia Raskin Show. If you wish to call into our program today, please call 1 866 472 5788. That number again is 1 866 472 5788. You may also send an email to Patricia at patriciaraskin.com. Now, back to the Patricia Raskin Show. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Patricia Raskin Show. I'm Patricia Raskin. And my guest on the phone is Celeste Longacre, Longacre, which is just such a perfect name for what she does. Her book is Celeste Garden Delights, Discover the Many Ways a Garden Can Nurture You. Welcome back, Celeste. Oh, thank you. And I just found out that your husband is, is a feng shui expert, so you must have not only a beautiful garden, but everything must be in the right feng shui order, and your Everything's space must be right beautiful. Everything's in the right place in our house, that's for sure. <laughs> he does a really do, good do job you, with feng now, shui. Here's a good question for you. Can you work with feng shui in the garden? You can work with feng shui in the garden, sure, because feng shui is really all about the flow of the chi, so it's, you, you want to have a nice flow of the chi. In fact, my cool. husband really built my garden for me. He, he oh, created cool. it all out of stone, and he yeah. spent a good 10 years of his summers um, building me this beautiful stone garden with beautiful stone paths. It's cool. absolutely gorgeous. Wow. Isn't it wonderful? I want to read a couple of things here that in your book, which is beautiful... There's a lot of pictures, and then you'll have a quote, and you blow it up so it's very big on the page. So I'm just going to read a couple of these big quotes. For the same amount of money I spent on several days worth of turkey dinners, I could have dined once at a local restaurant with two of my friends. (laughs) So now you're talking about eating local. Right. Yes. Yes, I bought my, that was my turkey dinner. And I did spend, you know, more than most people would on the turkey, but it was a local bird, and it was a big bird, and we had many, many meals. I mean, we had turkey dinner, and then we had another turkey dinner, and then we had turkey pot pie. I put, I think, four or five bags of meat in, in the freezer for sandwiches, and we're talking lots of sandwiches, and I made a great big, huge bowl of, you know, pot of soup. Um, so th- I think it's, it's a matter of wanting to cook. You, you need to be able to cook if you want to really save money on your food. Mm. Now, you have something here. Yeah, this is interesting. This is about tomatoes. The lycopene in tomatoes, which is a critical nutrient for for corralling free radicals, prostate health, and cancer prevention, increases when tomatoes are cooked. So it's healthier, Celeste, to eat a cooked tomato. Yeah, it is. Although I think, you know, you lose the vitamin C, but you do get more lycopene. So, you know, I would say to eat both raw tomatoes and to eat tomatoes that have been cooked. Okay. Yeah, you say here that carrots are difficult to grow, that they take 10 to 14 days to germinate, and they die off 
and dry out even during that time. So they're harder. Yeah, carrots are pretty hard. They're one of the hardest things, I think. For me, personally, they're fussy, 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 fussy. And then you have to thin them, thin them, thin them, thin them, thin them. Um, You know, so for a beginner, it would probably be better to start with something else. Which would be, what would you suggest? Well, beans are very easy to grow. You know, bush beans or pole beans, you can make a teepee that the pole beans will go up on. Tomatoes are not hard to grow if you buy your plants, you know, at a nice nursery. Mm -hmm. Peppers are not that hard to grow. Um, What about lettuce? Cabbage? Hmm? Lettuce. Lettuce is pretty easy to grow as well, yeah. What I do with my lettuce is I plant it every two weeks because I like it when it's really young and fresh and, and light and tasty. And after, you know, it's been up for several weeks, it's, it starts to get bitter. So I just keep planting it, and we have it all the time. We had, you know, a salad today for lunch and yesterday as well. So we have it almost every day. Oh, wonderful. Yeah, it's wonderful. And also, it's um, looking at the book, I mean, you, really, you have pictures of quite a bit of, you know, how you grow the food and also pictures of the food. Mm-hmm. And what you do with it. Absolutely. So let's look at, and this is very interesting, the options for those who don't have land to garden, like apartment dwellers. Mm-hmm. What do you say there? Well, if you have a sunny balcony, you know, again, the plants need to have six to eight hours of sun. But if you do have a sunny balcony, you can get some nice big pots, get the biggest pots you can find, and you can grow some tomatoes or you could grow some peppers or you could grow some beans, you know, whatever you'd really like to grow in those pots in, on the balcony. And even if you have a, an apartment, you can still go to the farmer's market and, you know, maybe buy seven or eight containers of blueberries and put them in the freezer or talk mm. about, you know, what does that farmer have a lot of? Because if, if they have a lot of something and it, it isn't going really fast, you might be able to get a really good deal and get a, a, a large amount of something that you could then put in the freezer. Okay. So it shouldn't stop you. Even no, if, and there are a lot of people. You. I know people in New York City that, that are doing things right on their, right on their balconies. Or the roof. Sometimes the roof is, is, uh, is an option for, for a garden. Mm. What happens, though, when it's pour, pouring rain, during the rain? Well, all gardens get rained on. <laughs> That's how mostly they get watered. That's why farmers don't mind rain. Farmers really like rain, at least, you know, in moderation. Because yeah. uh, the, the plants, you know, they're used to being outside in the rain. Right. I mean, if it's too much, then that's just unusual, right? If it were... Right. If it were too much. If it's, yeah, if it's too much, it's too much. And some years are like that. Sometimes you'll have a, a stretch of a few weeks where it rains too much and some of the crops will suffer. But there's, if you have a lot of, if you have the possibility of growing a lot of different kinds of things, you know, everything likes it a little bit different. Some plants like it hot, some plants like it cool, some plants like it wet, some plants like it dry. So if you grow a bunch of different things, something will do really well and something won't. But you'll get some, some really nice crop. Hmm. One of the things you write about in your book is that backyard chickens are back. Hmm. They are. Now, yeah, that seems like a big task to me. And I actually have a friend who was raising chickens. And every time uh-huh. she went out at night, the wolves or whatever, whatever the raccoons were eating them. And yeah. she just, she got so upset that she stopped. She just stopped it. Well, you have to build them Fort McChicken. <laughs> you have to really make sure that they're safe. Like our chickens... So our chicken coop is, is really, really safe. We have hard, hardware cloth, which isn't really a cloth at all. It's more like a, a fine metal mesh 
all over all of the windows. We have hardware cloth that comes up about two inches on the bottom of the fence, and it goes out about 18 inches out from the fence. So anything trying to dig under the fence hits the hardware cloth, and they can't dig under the fence. And then we have surveyor's tape across the top of the chicken run. It, that's the anti-hawk, anti-owl, because they, they won't fly when there's tape in their mm. way. So mm. you kind of have to think like a predator, and you want to make sure there's, they're safe and that you can really button them up tight. You know, their door, the door to their outside not only has a regular door handle, but it has, you know, it's, it's almost like a lock thing that I just put a piece of, of metal down. I don't have an actual lock on it. But still, if a, if a raccoon could figure out to turn the door handle, it, he still wouldn't be able to open the door. So you kind of have to think that way if you want your chickens to, if you want to have chickens, you need to make them safe. Yeah. Because well, everything likes a chicken dinner. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, she, she would come, she's my swim teacher, and she'd come into class and talk about her chickens and how sad she was. Yeah. Because she'd go out and, and she tries, she would try different things. I'll have to let her to tell her to read your books so that she'll yeah, that would be good. bring the <laughs> chickens back. All right. What other things would you like us to know? What are things that people come to you with a lot, Celeste, and say, oh, I did this and I should have done that? What are some prevention tips for us? Well, one thing that I think is missing in most Americans' diet is fermented foods because our ancestors, Mm. they fermented the ketchup and the mayo and the pickles and the relishes and they made sauerkraut and kimchi and they probably unconsciously fermented things by just leaving them on the counter and then eating them. So Mm. our gut biome is actually used to having the probiotics that, that come with fermented foods. So I really like making fruit kvasses because I can put together a fruit kvass in under three minutes because you can make it from almost anything. And you just cut up the veggies or the fruit and put it in the bottom of a jar. I use a two-quart jar. And then I add a teaspoon of salt. You can add homemade whey if you have it, but you don't need to. And then you want to fill it with water that doesn't have any chlorine or anything else bad in it and leave an inch of air at the top put the cap on tight, shake it a couple of times a day, cover it with a towel. Once a day, maybe loosen the cap just briefly to let the gases out. And then after two days in a warm kitchen or three days in a cool kitchen, you will have a fermented fruit juice drink. And I take, I strain out the fruit and the veggies, and then I put it in the refrigerator, and I just put a splash in every glass of water that I drink all day long, so maybe like a tablespoon. And I've been doing that for over four years. And since I started doing that, I haven't been sick once. Well, I have to tell you that I have another radio show and I interview a lot of doctors, particularly with alternative and preventive and health. Mm-hmm. And I just interviewed a doctor recently. The whole, a lot of the interview was about fermented foods in terms of gut health mm-hmm. and intestinal health. And that this is something that is really, really suggested now is to eat more fermented foods. Absolutely. I, I totally, totally agree. Yep, because our gut, are, our gut health, our gut biome is used to that, and it's not getting it, you know. So it's a little confused. Well, isn't our aren't probiotics part of that? I'm yes. not sure. Yes. Okay. Yes, they do. That they're you're you're creating you're probiotics, and you right. can do it for pennies when they they the ones that you buy are so expensive. Very, very. Yeah. So you would suggest like cabbage, sauerkraut, pickles. Yep, you can ferment pickles. Uh, I ferment my mayonnaise. The recipe is in the book. Uh, now, but the easiest I... thing is the fruit kvass. Okay. And that recipe is in the book as well. All right. Now, when you eat a pickle from the, you buy the pickles in the store or the sauerkraut, are they fermented? 
I prefer to buy fermented pickles and per- fermented sauerkraut. If, if they use vinegar, it's not fermented. It's oh, a whole different okay. process. The fermentation process uses salt. And how do you find that out? I mean, do they, do they sell that in the store? Because I don't think I've seen them. You sh- well, you can look. There's a, there are companies that do make fermented things, and usually it will say that on the bottle. This okay. is a fermented product. Okay. So it has to All say right. fermented if, if, it is for, if you want fermented. You should look for and that you, word. You can do that for, for uh, um, acidophilus and yogurt, too. Yogurt yes. helps. Mm-hmm. That's, yeah. that's another probiotic that's good for you. All right, Celeste, we're going to have to close, but I'd like you to give us your closing thoughts. What would you like to leave our listeners with? What's your message today about your wonderful book, Celeste Lawn Acres or Celeste Garden Delights? Well, I think that we need to, you know, people need to take charge of their health, and they need to do that by paying attention to what they eat and where their food comes from. And, uh, you know, Celeste Garden Delights is will it's helpful to, to tell people how to grow their own or how to preserve their own or what they get at the farmer's market. All right. And there's instructions there and recipes there as well. And the uh, website, again, is CelesteLongacre.com, C-E-L-E-S-T-E, Longacre.com. Celeste, it's been a pleasure, really, to have you on the program. And I hope I get to meet you because you're in my, on my side of the country, my oh, neck cool. of the woods. Yeah. Uh, that would be great. All right. Thanks so much. Stay on the line for a minute. Thanks so much. Folks, we're going to take a break. And when we come back, we'll have our next interview right here on voiceamerica.com, The Patricia Raskin Show. I'm Patricia Raskin. We'll be right back. Thank you for tuning in to this week's edition of the Patricia Raskin Show. Be sure to join Patricia Raskin and another amazing guest next Monday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have an outstanding week. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by Voice America Talk Radio Network its staff and management.